0: Day, five. Recorded live. I may go through chapter 1, verses 1 through 6 fairly quickly, but I do want to get to uh, this message on this morning, and I want to do it not done in my own power, but we are told that the things that God will do in this earth will not be by the might and power of men, but it will be by His Spirit. And so if we are to be conformed within the image of Christ, we must be submitted to the authority of his Holy Spirit, whom he has deposited within us as an earnest down payment for what is to come in eternity. So we bless God on this morning. We bless the Lord Jesus Christ on this morning. And we bless the Comforter and the Guide of, our, of all, to all truth about hope, the Holy Spirit. For there is none other but God, and we thank you. Oh, gracious Father, this morning we enter your presence. We do so by the presence, by the shed blood of our Lord, Jesus Christ. We do so by the grace that is extended to us, the mercy that has been extended to us because of what Christ did over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. We bless your name, and we honor you. We invoke your presence here today, God that you are move by your spirit, and you minister to us by your word, by your spirit. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaps of treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord Sabaoth. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Your word, God, is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. It is instruction for how we ought to live in this earth, how we are to represent you, how we are to bring honor and glory to your name. We cannot do that apart, God, from what our Lord Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. And we cannot do that apart from the submission to your Holy Spirit that he may do what he is ordained and called to do. He is God, the third person of the Trinity. He is the Holy Spirit. And no man knows the Spirit of God or the heart of God except the Spirit of God No. Spirit knows the mind of God except the Spirit of God, and therefore no one knows the Word of God except the Spirit of God. Speak now, Holy Spirit, for I decrease and become nothing. Or indeed, were it not for what Christ did on the cross, that, was, that is exactly what I would be. Because in my own eyes, God, I see myself as nothing, but you see me as somebody because you gave your son for me, and now I give my life and my will to your will, that you do your will by your spirit, have your way, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Our message this morning continues to be, uh, continued as we endeavor to understand what the character of the church ought to be. But I'm going to discuss another dimension of what the church must avoid. Some sitting here today might conclude that this message should for being rich. Such a conclusion could be far from the truth. But it's important to place riches along with everything else a person may acquire in proper place. James chapter 4 Verses 4 and 5, James speaks of conduct that erodes relationship with God. He says, do, not, do you not know that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously or zealous me, John, the beloved, adds another perspective on the conduct believers are to avoid. John, 1 John Chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in him. For all that is in the world, the love of the flesh, the love of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And finally, Timothy, beloved spiritual son of Paul the apostle, cautions believers to conduct, to our excuse, me, believers on conduct to avoid. And this is Paul writing to the apostle to his uh, son, spiritual son Timothy, in verses six, uh, nine through ten of First Timothy chapter six. For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which down men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and they and pierced themselves through with their sorrows. In the expository commentary, biblical expository commentary, the author quotes the popular comedian on the subject of money. He says if money talks, all it says to me is goodbye. However, in our text, just the opposite is taking place. Those whom James addressing, is addressing in this fifth chapter are rich, and their riches led them to commit sin. These were men of the church, Christians. Not sure if you watch shows like Selling Mega Mansions or Selling Jets or Selling Yachts, but if you, do, if you do, then you can understand what I'm saying about riches. When people have money enough to do whatever they want, they do it. For example, this morning we were listening to our prayer ministry where they were praying and talking about
1: the needs of so many people in the world, and yet there are those who have enough money that they can spend
0: $450,000 on a painting to hang in their wall to collect dust. And that one day would just fall apart and no longer exist instead of being able to assist others. So when you have a lot of money, it's okay to have it, but remember that there are others out there that need help. So they buy, and many buy cars that they just drive. They buy more houses than they can enjoy. They have so much money, they just don't know what to do with it or themselves. Many, but not all, look down at their noses, their doves, as those less fortunate than themselves, and they use their wealth for selfish purposes, and as James points out here, to mistreat the poor. In this fifth chapter, we observe two themes: trouble and prayer. When we combine these themes, we conclude that grown-up Christians, instead of fighting, with worldly weapons, they fight the cause of their trouble with godly conduct and prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6 says, But though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And while this is hard to understand, though not impossible to do, Paul gives us a formula for dealing with the difficulties that arises in our lives. He says, Repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things, in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceable with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, or if he, if he is thirsty, a drink, for in so doing, you will heat coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Finally, Peter draws our attention to how our Lord dealt firsthand with those who wrongfully mistreated him and therefore what our conduct ought to be. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21b through 24, he says, Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who then he had reviled, who when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. So who himself bore out sin in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. We're healed. So the Christian faith isn't an easy faith to live out when we try to do it under our own human power rather than submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and whose temple we are. It's important to understand that the reason God has given us His Spirit in us is so that He can lead us and if we submit to His authority, He will guide us in the way that we should go. We will not stumble or fall over things that we have no business being and no business having. We will, not, we will not be caught in places we have no business being, doing things we have no business doing. We can't love God and, and submit to God and to do the things that God wants us to do and turn around if they read to let our steam and going so we go and do what the world does. It's a contradiction. It's a bad example for the church. The believer, therefore, instead of quitting, throwing in the towel on his or her faith in Christ, and engage in worldly conduct to try and deal with the wrong committed against them, must seek God in prayer and solicit his divine aid. The Christian who have not grown up in their walk with Christ who always rely on their past experiences or seek non-Christian guidance when seeking to deal with the problem. These are the immature Christians. when reading these first six verses in James chapter 5, what is absent from his language or words speaking of gain, being rich. I stated earlier that being rich is not a bad thing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it. In that regard, I encourage those who are to look at how Abraham, to look at how Abraham dealt with the issues. I this rich man's humility and compassion for the people had for his unshakable love and submission, and I add commitment to the will of God. James concerns, James concerns. Sitting around the conduct of those wealthy folks in the church who, who were concerned primarily with their own personal profit or pleasure at the expense of consideration for others and cautioned them to contrition that is, that is rather to feel remorse and repent for their worldly conduct. Now, let me move forward here because this was just a brief summary of what we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. But what I want to deal with now is I want to continue on and I want to call your attention to James chapter 5, and I want you to look at verses uh, 7 through 12. James chapter 5, verses 7. Morning. I want to speak from the subject, wait patiently for the coming of the Lord. I want to talk, wait patiently for the coming of the Lord. James chapter 5, verses 12 through 7 through 12, rather. And it reads, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and see the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Boy, I say he is. You need to read, if you haven't read Job, you need to read it, now you'll get an understanding. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and let your no be no, let you fall into judgment. Now that James has identified the conduct of the immoral rich, he turns his attention to those in the church who are wrong. That is, those back then were wrong and those who are in the church today, that may be wrong by those who are rich. He this transitional conjunction or flow in thought by the use of the word, therefore. By this, James is saying that in spite of the conduct of the rich, poor Christians are to be patient. James, by his use of the phrase, be patient alludes to verses 2 through 4 of the first chapter of this epistle. Let me read that to you real quick. James chapter 1, if you will, verses 2 through 4. James says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith were impatient. He says, well, let patience have his perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Patience in the face of adversity is designed to test the believer's faith in God and at the same time aid in the believer's maturity in Christ. Next James employs the preposition until which serves as a conjunction that links his exhortation to be patient with the parousia, or the second coming, of Christ. until the coming of the Lord. James is simply referring to the poor of mistreatment hands of a rich, but they are mistreatment by others as well, to include the myriad trials and struggles they encounter in their life. As believers, we are to view our trials and struggles as death to be built up, to build up our faith in God. But as we endure the pain and suffering, the trials and struggles, we are to count it all joy. But as we endure the pain and suffering, the trials and struggles, Understand that this word joy that James uses in the first chapter of his epistle this is the Greek word, And it means to take delight in. I know that most of you are thinking to yourself, how in the world can I be happy when I'm suffering so greatly? But the delight about, about which I am speaking goes beyond the physical body. See, we must look beyond our physical nature where we endure what we seen as what was seen to us at the time to be unimaginable. This is why Paul having this is why Paul having through personal experience Endured tremendous hardships during his Christian ministry, he encourages us in these words. Romans 8, 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then he goes over to Second Corinthians chapter 4, Verses 16 through 18 to encourage us even more by saying, therefore, we do not, when we're going through our trials, when we're dealing with our struggles, when everything seems to be going against us, when the world seems to be weighing down on our shoulders and we see no way out, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And that's what's important, my brothers and sisters. So that is what is important. That inward man, for our delight, for our life of Christians, he says, which is but for a moment, is working uh, for us a far more exceeding, and eternal way of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but that we look at the things which are not seen are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Keep your mind stayed on Christ. Jesus Jesus says this, the first, the kingdom of God, Trial. That's why James says, come in all joy when you go through the various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience, but then let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, not wanting anything. We have to understand what James, by his encouragement to be patient, and the Apostle Paul are doing his pointing up. And number three, he gives us the example of Job. And then finally, he gives us advice on the integrity of our word. We will not reach all of these today, but we will get through what I'm going to deal with the farmer today. And then on next Sunday, I will, we, will, we will move forward in addressing the prophet and Job and then the advice on the integrity of our word. The farmer, let's look at the farmer verse 7b and 8. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Patience requires stamina, stamina is defined as the ability to to sustain prolonged physical and mental efforts. In his lecture on James, verse, chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, G. lacoste Mann, professor of New Testament say, of stamina, the concept of stamina helps to bring out the full meaning of patience. Stamina is the strength to keep on performing until the end of the race. Many of us quit because it, because it gets too hard for us, because it becomes too difficult for us, because the situation seems to be insurmountable. We want to quit. and We want to quit the race, and we never finish the race. Then we stand back and we complain about everybody else that pressed their way on through and when they got through, they they benefited from what they from their struggle. And here we are sitting back watching and complaining because, because we failed to do our part. And rather than accept responsibility for our own failures, we want to blame someone else for our failures. No, no. He's saying the Christian must keep all trusting and obeying. Patient waiting and sound are both essential to the Christian walk. Farmers are killers of the earth. It was then, and it is now, a hard and difficult way to make a living. In the old Western movies, you hear the crowd and the gunslingers whose face, faces decorated water posters, dead or alive, refer to farmers as sawbusters. And yeah. yeah, I tell you what, I'd rather be a sodbuster than a lawbreaker. Prior to planting seeds, these farmers had to prepare the soil. This usually involves plowing the soil. This is that is, is the breaking up of the hard top soil and exposing the loose soil underneath. Usually made now depending on the financial means of a farmer,
1: he would just, he would
0: employ the latest technology. Usually he made usually um, his 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 plow would be made of a fork, three branches with metal tips or points to dig into the earth. Ploughs would be hitched or by straps to to a yoke of oxen. And the farmer would stand behind the the yoke of oxen and he would move them forward either by with a whip or by the snapping of the reins that he is affixed or the strap that he is affixed to the oxen. And they would move, and as they moved, the plow dug deep into the earth, and it turned over the the hard topsoil and exposed the soil underneath underneath it. James' use of the farmer reminds Christians of the cost associated with faith in Jesus Christ. There is a time, there is time, there is energy, and there is money involved in serving Christ. But like David said to God, all things come of me, and of thine own have been given to you. So it is only fitting that when God gives us something, we give back to God. David, I mean, um, Jacob said to God, if you do this for me, if you do that for me, everything that you give me, I will give you a tenth of it back. So it is, it is just no standard practice for us to give back to God What God has given unto us. After planting the seed, the farmer has no choice but to wait for the seed to produce crop so that he can feed his family and sell or barter with others for the things his family needs. As a boy, I planted a lot. I drove tractors, plowed fields. Planted seed does no thing. We harvested some, and some of the crops that we harvested, we ate, and some we allow to remain planted and and go untouched. For example, corn. We let the corn remain on the stock until it dries. Afterward, we pick the ears before we remove the husk and and remove the kernel uh, by twisting the ears in our hands. These kernels were stored for planning the next year. So the harvest is the only motivation for the investment. The farmer cannot afford to throw in the towel and walk away simply because he gets tired. And that's the, that was, that's the failure of many of us today. We get tired. We say, well, shoot, I don't see any way that this is breakthrough in the system. We've been doing this right here for quite some time now. If I just quit, then I will never come to, we will never be able to realize what God is doing and what God has in store for this ministry. It may seem like nothing is going on, but behind the scenes, God is testing us. We must learn to endure. We must learn to be patient. And we must learn to submit to God. And see, now, in our patience, in our enduring patience, it does not mean that we sit idle and idle It means we study God's Word. It means we we worship God. It means we pray and we continue growing in God. And being about the work and the business where God has called us to, we won't always see everything right at first. Reminded of Abraham's walk, and I remind myself of that quite often That Abraham's walk. He did not see it, but he believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Faith doesn't need to have a physical object to see. Faith in knowing who God is is sufficient to know that God is able to do exactly what he said he's able to do today. Abraham did not see see all of this, but he is the father of many nations, of many people, and Sarah, Miss Sarah his wife is the mother of many nations, of many people, because of his faith, and for us who have faith like Abraham, we then become Abraham's seed in the word, and we are with Christ, faith, we are his sons by faith. The father problem. Cannot afford to throw the towel and walk away simply because he is tired. I'm not doing this anymore. I want something else to do. I want to, I, I I need to do something else. I'm just tired of this. I'm just tired of it. He has to patiently endure until the harvest comes. Oftentimes, as a boy, while I waited for the harvest. In my small personal garden, that is, I go from row to row, checking and breaking up the soil on on each mound, careful not to come near the portions of the soil where the seeds were planted. And and, and, then I ran water down the rows just to ensure the seed had everything I knew I could provide in order to aid it in its germination process. I also pulled weeds, and they jumped up around it, careful not to disturb the seed. Now, but for larger crops, I rigged irrigation pipes that, that, that were suspended above the planted field. I connected them with holes to a hole that was attached to a mechanical pump with another hole submerged in the body of water. So once the pump was activated, it pulled water from the canal through the pipe on which the sprinklers were attached, and the sprinklers activated by the pressurized water being pushed through the pipe, distributed the water uh, to the rocks. So over time, the earth brought forth abundance of vegetation suitable for harvesting, for eating, for filling, and preserving, for planting, the following year. See, that's a lesson right there in sowing and reaping and, and saving. Many of us want to get our money, and we want to live for the eagle. When the eagle flies on Friday, Saturday we go out to play. Sunday, Sunday morning we you know, we drag ourselves in the church, and we don't have any money. When the preacher asks for money, we say all they want is our money. But you don't talking your money, you're giving it to everybody else. And then you complain about it when, when it comes to the church. That's crazy. It's crazy. Too much. It's crazy. But this is but this was not the case in James's day. James mentions the early and the that rain. See, the earliest rain is that which fell in the fall at the start of the rainy season, and the latter rain is that which fell in the spring. And see, the fall rain was necessary for the grain to germinate and come up. It grew during the winter and needed the spring rain for a good harvest in May or early June. See, the farmer had to exercise great patience uh, as he yearned to see the rain come at the just and right time. Sometimes they did not, sometimes they did, and sometimes they did not. In a similar way, Christian, the Christian is to exercise patience in living for God. He is often at mercy, at the mercy of the powerful forces which can neither control, he can either control or understand. In spite of that, he must patiently keep on trusting and obeying God. In verse 18 points out that the Christian many of the same qualities demonstrated by the Father. Just as the Farmer needs to be patient, so do, or so does the Christian. Next James tells Christians to establish your heart. Your heart. To establish one's heart means to strengthen one's faith and confidence in God by studying God's word and by praying. And then by Christian fellowship. Remember Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says iron sharp as an iron. And these when you're Christians, when we are as Christians are going through, we need to make sure that we fellowship with other believers because that's where we are built up. That's where we are edified. That's where we are. We are strengthened in our numbers. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Let's say that you want to barbecue so you take, and you put some coals in the barbecue grill, and then you take fluid, and you put on it, and you light it, and you let it cook. You let the coals burn. And the coals get red hot. Now, what happens if you go take a baritone and take one of those red hot coals out and separate it from the other coals and just leave it by itself? What what, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to go out, isn't it? Well, that's why it's so important for us as believers to fellowship with other believers because we can strengthen one another, we can, we can empower one another, we can encourage one another, we can build one another up positively. See, we, don't, we have enough people telling us what we cannot do. We need people that can tell us what we can do, encourage us, build us up, and stuff to guide us up. we can't do it this way. So he help me to figure out how I can do it. Too many people say you can't do it, you're stupid, you doubt you are ignorant. you can't pay it. But when you come together as believers, so brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, we build each other up. How? In the word of God. By what God has done for us and what God has brought us from, what God has carried us through. That will aid us each other in encouraging us and building us up. We have to learn to establish ourselves because doing so makes our mind, makes our heart or our mind impregnable to the troubles and afflictions as we continue to endure. them Because it's easy to get worn down really easy to get worn out. When your body is dog-tired, and you can't sleep, and your body is not able to get the rest of it needs, it starts, and certain things start to happen to your body. But you have to understand, you, God has given us the ability to endure. See, in Romans, I mean, first was in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that God, you know, we have to stand. God has made a way to escape so that whatever we're going through, and, this, and I know this is not temptation that I'm, that I'm talking about here, but temptation when it comes through the devil is a form of suffering and a struggle for us. And so God has made a way for us to escape in order that we can endure. So God has always made a way out for us if we cannot endure. But he makes a way for us to do so. So thirdly, James reminds the Christians that Jesus' return is nearing. The coming of the Lord is is described as already near. This was true when James wrote it then, and it is still true today. Christ's coming is near. Ever since Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father, the second coming has been just at hand. Christians down through the millennium, millennial, have felt that theirs was the very time of Jesus' return. Their age has demonstrated some qualities of the last age. Only after the event will Christians know precisely the time of Jesus' coming. In the meantime, Christians are to live in eager anticipation of Jesus' return. Let me just conclude with this. The character of the church is so important. How the church functions, how it deals with the myriad challenges of human life are just important. We are the example by which the world that the world is looking at. We are we are that, as I said three weeks ago, we are that seventh on the ground of black. The world is looking at us, the angels in heaven are looking at us, and the demon spirits all around us are looking at us to see how we deal with the problems that we are facing in this life. Because we think that we are Christians. Our character is being scrutiny. What we do and how we live as Christians has a direct and immediate impact in the minds of people. They are either drawn to the wholesomeness of the church or they are repulsed by its ugliness. The church exists to win souls for God through Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. If If we are living a worldly life instead of a life by the Spirit of God, the church will be viewed as worthless. And Jesus said that if, if we, you know, He is divine and we have a branch, and if the branch does not produce, it, it is cut off and thrown away. And it withers up and then it is gathered and thrown out of the fire. We have to be about the business of the Father. And those who are producing, He will prune so that they can produce more. I can't wait until we began to produce, be and then reproduce, and produce, and reproduce, and reproduce, and reproduce, and reproduce. I can't wait for that time to come, but I'm looking forward to it. So, if we are a living world, if we are a living world, a living world the church is worthless, if we are living like the world. Our faith is not a created thing, it created a created thing. Our faith is not in the stars, it's not in an angel, it's not in art, and it's not in riches. Our faith is in the one true and living God, creator of heaven and earth, and all that is within it, seen and unseen, God's word is our standard of living. There is no other divine instructions given to men by which we must be saved, or by which we must live. There is no more perfect example of how Christians ought to live their daily lives than Jesus Christ. He is the perfect. Example. This is not the gate Abraham, Isaac, Israel, Elijah, Elisha, or the who came before us. But Jesus Christ alone is the perfect example. He had no flaws. He made no mistakes. He committed no sin. Even when all around him people wanted to stone him to death, they wanted to shove him off the cliff, they wanted to nail to the cross, and they did. Even though they did all of that. He did not sin. He remained perfect. He kept the entire law of God. Something no other human being could do or had done since he came. No greater purpose, no greater example to follow than Jesus Christ. No greater example. He is the perfect example because of all the people who so stirred upon the face of this earth, Jesus is the only one, as I stated, who fulfilled the entirety of the law that God gave the moment. Search the scriptures. And then search secular books. By that, I mean every book that is not written, that is not the Holy Bible. There are no other holy books. I know they're called holy, but there's only one holy book, and it is the Word of God, the Holy Bible, that's it. God has commissioned the Jewish nation. He has commissioned the Christian nation. Christians, and that is it. That is the that is the wholeness of the entire Bible, the Word of God, the sixty-six books of the Bible. These are the books. These are God's inspired words. There are other no inspired words written by men from God. The Holy Bible. That's it. So. Listen, only Jesus Christ is the only way that we can gain access to the Bible. There's no other way to get to God. We will come to understand that we are stewards chosen by God to manage his property on this earth. So if you want to understand the human character, if you want to understand what the character of the church ought to be, follow Jesus Christ. Study Jesus Christ. Pray and ask God to conform you into this image stated. He's going to do it if you are truly a believer. So our true treasures, our true treasures are stored in heaven, not on earth. Praying, paying pain, our bills, on time, respecting others as well as believers who, cover, who comprise the body, the body of Jesus Christ. Loving and honoring and encouraging brothers and sisters in the church without partiality is how we imitate Jesus Christ, point others to God, thereby giving God the glory. That's it. That's all I have to say. If this word ministered to you this morning, encourage you to, and if you don't know Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of your sin, I encourage you to come to the altar where we can pray with you and meet with you separately and minister the gospel to you to help you to understand Christian faith initially. We don't fully understand because there's so much to it, but we do understand that in order for salvation, in order for us to have a relationship with God we must first have a relationship with His Son. We cannot get to the Father except we first come to the Son. Whoever you are, whoever you are, wherever you are, come to the altar. God is ready right now to receive you. Secondly, if you are back, secondly, if you are. If, you're the full, um, if the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you, become a part of, of Jesus Christ's ministry. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home. On my way to my heavenly home, we welcome you thirdly if you are backslash. You want that joy restored in your life. I'm here to say God will restore the joy. No advantage of us about it. He will do it, and he will do it now for me. If you're seeking the fullness of his Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God says, the day that you hear this voice, do not harden your heart. If you're away from your whole church home, please consider becoming a part of this ministry so that we can watch over your soul by prayer and teaching you and ministering the word of God to you. And finally, if you're in need of prayer, God is an answer of prayer. I don't know who you are. I don't care who you are. God is an answer of prayer. And God will answer prayer, and I know He will because I am living proof that He answers prayer. I believe in it with all my heart. We come to the altar. We accept and agree and seek uh, and the Lord for whatever the challenge you are facing, whatever the challenge you may be facing. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.